Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, welcome to Why Not Mint Money. I'm Satya Suntanam from Mint's personal finance team. In this episode, let's talk about the changes that the budget 2023 brought to the taxation of REITs and INVITs. REIT is a real estate investment trust that invests in the commercial real estate projects. An INVIT is an infrastructure investment trust investing in infrastructure assets such as power transmission assets and road assets to collect tolls. REITs and INVITs are mandated by the market regulator SEBI to distribute at least 90% of the cash available with them to unit holders. The distribution comes in the form of dividend or rental income, interest income and repayment of loan. The budget 2023 said that the repayment of loan, the last component of distribution, has to be taxed at individual slab rates. This is going to impact the returns you earn on these investment products. We have Itas Vishal Chandramani, Chief Operating Officer at Trust Pluters, to decode this tax change and the investor implications that is brought in by the budget. Let's get started. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started with your money journey. Hi Vishal, welcome to Why Not Mint Money. Always a pleasure talking to you. Hi Satya. Thanks for having me on the show once again. Yeah. So could you give us some brief on what REITs and INVITs are and the types of REITs and INVITs and how they generate returns? Sure, Satya. So REITs and INVITs are a relatively new asset class in our country. Um, however, these are quite popular in developed markets and have been around for several decades in developed markets. Um, very simply put, a REIT is basically a portfolio of income generating commercial real estate. Um, a way, uh, one way to think of this is basically if there are various commercial properties across the country which have been built by a particular builder, you can consolidate many of these into a single portfolio and issue units against this portfolio which are basically called REITs. Uh, REITs stand for Real Estate Investment Trusts. As a result, what happens is the tenants in these various commercial properties, as in when they pay rent, um, you know, for the for their occupancy, uh, the cash flows after deducting certain expenses are paid out as distribution to the unit holders. Similarly, in the case of INVITs, INVITs stand for Infrastructure Investment Trusts. And the only difference between INVITs and REITs are that in case of INVITs, you're owning a portfolio of infrastructure assets. Now, these could be different kinds of infrastructure assets. So in our country, we have seen um, some invits where the underlying infrastructure assets comprise of power transmission lines, which are basically the transmission lines that uh, are used to transport power from the point of manufacture to the uh, point of use. Uh, typically, there are uh, long-term contracts that are entered into between the power manufacturers and the uh, power users uh, for transportation of this power and basis the contractual obligations, the power transmission lines, uh, you know, earn their revenue. Um, another form of infrastructure assets are road 
highways so you could have an invit where the underlying portfolio comprises of various uh, road highways and the and the income in such a portfolio comes from the tolls that are paid you know by the commuters when they are using these highways so you could have different infrastructure assets when it comes to invits a third form of infrastructure asset which was being considered which has not yet been rolled out is a portfolio of gas pipelines which are basically used to transport uh, you know gas from one point to another and there could be several such examples of infrastructure assets wherein we could see uh, units being issued as this asset class matures in our country so that is broadly what reits and invests actually are um as you would realize that these products because of the underlying assets are very different from owning vanilla equity or vanilla debt in your portfolio they have unique characteristics and as a result they help complement uh, you know an investor's portfolio by uh, providing the required diversification right these uh, products investment products are relatively new in india and uh, the reason why they become very popular is because they're providing access to me as a normal investor small ordinary investor giving access to me to invest in commercial real estate or the infrastructure assets which otherwise takes a lot of money for me to invest and which is not accessible to a small investors uh, right vishal that's absolutely correct right so yeah. if you had to invest into a pre-leased commercial property even if you had to buy out a single office space you could you know the the investment amount could run into a few crores of rupees in case of a reit as we you know discussed you could actually own a portfolio of commercial real estate assets across different locations in a country by just investing in the unit of a reit so you know you also get the benefits of diversification um, not just um, you know uh, diversification in terms of the number of properties but diversification in terms of even properties being located in different parts of the country um you know so you could get all those diversification benefits for a much lesser amount by owning a unit of a reit or similarly an invit right right could you name the uh, types of reits and uh, invits that are available in india so currently we have um you know three reits that have been listed in the country um the first one to get listed was the embassy reit um which was in i think uh 2019 and we then had the mindspace reit listing in 2020 and brookfield was the last one to list in 2021 um in case of invits and all um, of these reits invest in commercial real estate properties right Yes, all the REITs invest in commercial real estate properties. Sure. Um, in case of invits, um, IRB was actually the first invit to list in the country. It was, in fact, the first invit or REIT to have listed in India, and this was way back in two thousand seventeen. Um, IRB is basically a portfolio of um, road highways. Post IRB, you had India Grid. which is also known as integrated listing which is a portfolio of uh, power transmission assets this was in 2017 and uh, you then had power grid which is again a portfolio of power transmission assets uh, listing in 2021 apart from this in the invit space satya there have also been some issuances through private placement 
wherein the ticket sizes are higher, those units, uh, you know, so in the case of a uh, private placement, while the units are listed, but, uh, you know, the issuance is not through a public market issuance. And as a result, the minimum ticket size over there is 2 crores. But you've seen NHAI, uh, you know, have, uh, issuing an invit where, again, it is a portfolio of uh, road highways. Um, you have uh, Shrem Invit, which is again a portfolio of road highways and some others which have come out. But uh, those are all in, through the private placement route. When we talk of the listed markets, where the uh, ticket sizes are much lower and within the reach of, say, the common man, then you're talking of three listed REITs and uh, three listed uh, invits. You said that it's not like a standard vanilla equity or a vanilla debt product. It is something like a hybrid product. So, can you tell Correct. us what are the kind of returns that we can expect from REITs and INVITs? Sure. So, you can break up the returns into two parts in case of REITs and INVITs, Satya. Um, as per the reg Indian regulations, the REITs and INVITs basically need to invest into uh, a portfolio of assets where minimum 80% of the assets are income generating. So what that does is it basically avoids a REIT or invit from excessively investing in a portfolio of under construction assets, which would, you know, have very long gestation periods and carries, you know, its own set of risks such as completion risks, etc. So the regulations stipulate that 80% of the portfolio has to be in completed income generating assets. Also, the regulation mentions that 90% of the surplus cash flow that is received by a retail invit needs to be periodically paid out to the unit holders. Um, this actually becomes a very good source of income for you know unit holders in REITs and invits, where we have seen that all these REITs and invits have been distributing uh, you know their surplus cash flows at the end of every quarter. So you end up getting you know income from the units every quarter um, similar to a debt product where if you were to invest in a bond most bonds would pay out a coupon once a year or maybe twice a year some some bonds could also pay out monthly or quarterly uh, coupons but in case of recent invits every quarter you will see that there is a payout so one form of return is the distribution that is made by the rate or invit um, the second form of return is the actual appreciation in the price of the underlying unit of a RETA or INVIT. Um, and this is where the RETA unit does have, you know, an equity-like characteristic because unlike a bond where the price of the, you know, the, the bond itself would be relatively stable, in case of REITs and INVITs, you could see fluctuations in the price of the underlying units. Uh, if there's an appreciation, of course, it works to your advantage and is an additional source of return. But if the price goes, the price could also go down um, and you could see, you know, a mark-to-market -market, uh, loss as well in case of these units. So this is where it's not a principal guaranteed product. That is very important to keep in mind when you're talking of REITs and invits. Right. Um, and that is where it has characteristics of an... Uh, you know, of equities, which is why when we look at uh, REITs and which we feel it's a hybrid product, the regular distributions which you get have debt-like characteristics, but the fact that the underlying unit itself is not principal protected or guaranteed gives it an equity characteristic. 
that's why it is very important to look at the price at which you are entering the REIT or uh, in bid, just like uh, you see for the equity also. Absolutely correct, Satya. Right. Uh, Vishal, now can you tell us what has exactly changed in budget 2023? Okay, so before we uh, you know look at the specific provision in the budget 2023, let's you know further break down the uh, distribution that these REITs and invits make. So when the REITs and invits make a quarterly distribution to investors, they also give a breakup of this distribution. Now, this distribution could be in the form of uh, three sources. Uh, part of the distribution could come in the form of interest income, which is taxed at the marginal rate. Um, part of the distribution could come in the form of dividends, which in the case of most of the REITs are tax exempt. Um, but that also depends on you know, the, the uh, tax regime that the REIT or the invit has opted for. Um, and the third source of distribution could come in the form of amortization of SPV level debt. So some of the projects that, you know, REITs and invits have as part of their portfolio are funded through debt, either completely or partially. And uh, when that debt is repaid to the REIT, then the distribution that happens, you know, through that format to the unit holders in turn uh, is termed as amortization of SPV level debt or simply a return of capital. Okay. So these are the total distribution paid out by any REIT or invit could be broken up into one or two or three of these components. And um, the issuers do give a breakup of the distribution mentioning how much of the amount comes under which head. So um, Satya, this is basically one thing which is important to understand before we go into the uh, budget provision. Um, coming to what the budget provision uh, is with regard to REITs and invits, so there is there was complete clarity on the taxation of the dividend component and the interest component of REITs and invits prior to the budget. However, there was some ambiguity around this amortization of SPV level debt prior to the budget. So okay. what was happening is that different people were treating this component of the distribution in, in different ways. Um, some people were reducing this from their initial cost of acquisition of the retail invit unit, saying that since this is return of capital, we should reduce it from our cost of acquisition. Um, there were other people who were simply considering it as a tax-exempt income and not really um, paying any tax on it. Okay, so what is meant by reducing it from the cost of acquisition? So how does it work? So assume that I purchase a unit of a REIT or INVIT at 100 rupees and from the distribution that I get, I, you know, say uh, 5 rupees of the distribution I've received in a year is in the form of return of capital. So what I can do is I can reduce my cost of acquisition from 100 to 95, saying that 5 rupees has come back to me in the form of return of capital. Now, this is something that some of the people were doing. Um, when right. you do uh, this... Let, let, let us stick to this, uh, Vishal. So if the price of sure. the REIT or the invit goes to 150 rupees, uh, if I considered it, if the return of capital is considered as a, you know, a reduction in the cost of acquisition, then my total capital gains from that REIT will be 150 minus 95, which will be 55 rupees. 
if exactly. i do not consider it as a reduction in the cost of acquisition then um, only 50 rupees will be taxed as capital gains right exactly so what you doing okay. is by reducing um, this 5 rupees from your cost of acquisition you are actually like you rightly mentioned you are paying a capital gains tax in future assuming you sold the unit at 150 rupees on 55 rupees so yeah. you are kind of deferring the tax but at some point you are at least paying some tax on that 5 rupees okay okay yeah so a few are treating it as a reduction in the cost of acquisition and if you are uh, completely exempting this income uh, from taxation that's what happening right yeah Asha? they are completely accepting this is a tax exempt income and they are not adjusting the cost of acquisition so sure. in case of a person who does not adjust the cost of acquisition what happens is that uh, taking the same example that you gave in that case you will you know if you sell the unit at 150 and you had purchased it at 100 you will pay capital gains on 50 rupees and the 5 rupees you received you are also treating it as a tax exempt income so technically on that 5 rupees you are neither paying tax at the time of receipt of the 5 rupees nor at the time of selling the units so it becomes right. a complete um you know tax exempt income what is also important to understand is that the reit or the invit itself is basically a pass through entity so whatever income they get from the underlying portfolio assets they pass it on to the um unit holders and in this particular case what was happening is that the neither the reit was reit or invit was paying a uh, tax on this 5 rupees in the example that you know we are discussing nor is the unit holder paying tax on the 5 rupees if they are not adjusting it in the cost of acquisition so nobody was paying tax on this 5 rupees and that is um you know a loophole which the government has looked at plugging in the budget provision okay okay w- what is the budget say so basically they've introduced a provision in the budget saying that um this 5 rupees should be treated as income from other sources and should be taxed at the uh, marginal rate of taxation which is similar to the uh, tax applicability for the interest income that is received uh you know as part of the distribution um said that there is a provision in the budget which says that if the distribute if it is clarified that this distribution is towards redemption of capital then it will not be treated as um you know t- uh, income from other sources so there is a provision in the budget which also clarifies that given you know the un- if it is uh, disclosed by the issuers that this part of the distribution is actually a, a return of capital then it will not be subject to taxation at marginal rates understand understand so do you think it's going to have a very big impact on the kind of returns that one would uh, get from rates or invits see there is an impact uh, of as high as 1% on the uh, post tax return in the case of certain rates and invits depending on you know the the break up of the distribution and this is assuming that they do not treat this as uh, return of capital but they treat it as income from other sources the impact could be as high as 1% on a post tax basis understand so sure. it is a major it is a major dampener um the the retail invit uh, you know industry is still trying to understand this provision and they are you know from whatever you know we've discussed with them they are making certain representations to the 
finance ministry to get better clarity around this provision and um, get certain clarifications on how this um, you know this particular part of the distribution can be treated as a uh, redemption of capital or you know if the provision itself can be um, you know put on hold but that is something which is still uh, you know it's early stages and uh, they are basically making representations to the ministry understand i think uh, the investor will be better off uh, if it is considered as a capital gain capital gain uh then a uh, interest income right interest or the other income which is taxable at the slab rate of an investor especially for high net worth individuals or people in the highest tax slab um if it is considered as other income so it will be taxed at about 30% and depending on the surcharge and the cess it can go up to 40, uh, 39% also uh and if they are following the old tax regime it can go to 42% also uh but if it is considered as a capital gain then uh, it would be taxed at a lower rates than 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 the slab rates right so it would be exactly. at 10% or the 20% 15 to 20% exactly so that is that is something which you know it becomes imperative that uh, you know the issuers get this clarif- clarity and then you know further make so make such disclosures when they are making these uh, distributions because like you said the difference in the taxation could range from um, you know 20 to 30% in case of some investors especially hnis who you know under the old tax regime will pay 42% as compared to say probably paying a 10% uh, on a long term capital gain so so there could be a huge difference of 30% in terms of just the tax rate on this particular component of the distribution right but one thing is very clear right so that particular income the repayment of loan uh which is currently exempt from tax uh, or in the sense which is being treated as exempt from tax will be um, plumped and that will be uh, in the scope of taxation going ahead yes i think one way or the other they will you will need to pay tax on that either by adjusting it in your cost of acquisition and paying capital gains uh tax you know on that additional amount or by paying an upfront tax at the marginal rate so one way or the other it will come within the tax net understood uh vishal could you also give us a brief about how the yields are looking after this particular announcement by the finance minister in budget 2023 sure so um you know like i mentioned um each of the reits and invits has a different breakup of their distribution amounts the the composition of the distribution amount differs from each of the issuers um issuers which had a higher component of tax exempt dividend have seen a lesser impact on their uh, unit prices on the exchanges and issuers which had you know a higher component of interest and uh, capital repayment have seen a uh, a larger negative impact on their uh, you know unit prices post the budget um what that what the market has actually done is has um you know kind of in a span of say a week from the budget already taken into account that if the capital repayment was to be taxed at a marginal rate then you know what will be the post tax yield on each of these units given their different capital structures so um you know there was an article which you had put out satya a couple of days back in mint wherein you gave the makeup of distribution across each of these issuers you know in a nice graphical format so basically 
you know if you see the uh, breakup of distribution for a mind space for example 92% of their distribution is in the form of tax exempt dividend so they would be the least impacted by this provision um embassy has 24% of the distribution coming in the form of uh, tax exempt dividend and 48% of their distribution is in the form of a capital repayment so to that extent the amount of distribution which will now get taxed goes up by 48% from the earlier 28% which was the interest part for embassy so in case of embassy we are talking of close to 76% getting taxable as compared to 28% earlier and in the case of brookfield um, you know they anyways had a small component of dividend which was only 3% uh, 60% of the distribution used to be in the form of uh, uh, interest income which was anyways taxed at marginal rates and 37% uh, was in the form of capital repayment so from a 60% um, of the distribution being taxed which is in the form of interest you're actually talking of this going up to 97% in the case of Brookfield so as you can see different um, issuers will have will be impacted differently depending on the composition of the distribution um the market prices have already kind of adjusted keeping this fact in mind and at the current prices actually if you see the yields are ranging for the reits from about uh, 5.6 to 6% in the case of embassy and mind space uh, in terms of post tax yield at the current prices to about uh, 6.4 to 6.6 .6 in the case of the um, integrated and power grid inwits. These are all post tax yields that I am referring to. So, um, in the range of 560 to 6% for REITs and about 640 to 660 for inwits. Understand. This announcement has been particularly a big dampener um, on the backdrop of higher yields from the G6, right? Because the JSEC itself is providing about 7.3% uh, pre-tax. Um, so, considering that, uh, the pre-tax return uh, from the EITs may not look very attractive at this juncture. What do you say, um, I don't, I don't completely agree to that, Satya, because, um, you know, let's also understand that uh, in case of JSEC, um, when we're talking of 7-7.5%, uh, it's a pre-tax number. And... Um, interest in case of a GSEC will be taxed at marginal rate. So, you know, even if I assume 30% uh, uh, taxation with, uh, you know, in the case of a, a GSEC, I am still getting a 5.11 post-tax if I'm assuming a 7.3% uh, yield. If I say 7.5 on the GSEC, I'm talking of 525 uh, on the GSEC. Yes, it's a sovereign instrument, so there is uh, no credit risk. Also, the principal is guaranteed. Like we said, in case of REITs and INVITS, the uh, you know the underlying unit itself, the price is not guaranteed. Um, so 5.25 for a GSEC in today's times, as compared to you know 5.6 to 6 percent for REITs and 6. Point, you know 6.4 to 6.6 for an INVIT. So in case of INVITS, you're still talking of a you know 100 to 120 basis points post tax. Uh, you know, carry as well as for REITs and for REITs, it's slightly lower. Um, so, one has to also keep in mind that the price of these units has corrected and which is why, um, you know, they are available at, uh, uh, you know, attractive yields in case of REITs and WITS. But 
the correction also gives you a chance to buy some high quality commercial property portfolios at a, a you know a reasonable price and the underlying unit itself could see capital appreciation which is unlikely in case of a gsec if you're holding it to maturity right because then you only get the principal amount at maturity so keeping that in mind i think reits and invits are still you know pretty attractive compared to a a, a gsec but again it depends on the risk profile of each individual and whether they are willing to see through the volatility in the price of the underlying units for reits and invits understand uh for those who are not aware of this uh when the price of the e reads or the uh invits come down the yields go up just like the bonds how the bonds work uh when the prices fall the yields go up and uh, for those who are looking for very predictability of the returns i think they can wait till the clarification comes from vishal yeah i think one can definitely wait for the clarification but uh these being listed instruments satya what will happen is the moment there's a clarification and if uh you know it is favorable you'll see the price of the units appreciating right the market will not really wait to reprice the uh, units back to the pre budget levels at least so um, like you said when the yield is basically a function of the current price it's simply the distribution divided by the current price of the unit so the lower the price of the unit you're getting a better yield or you're locking in a better yield um if the prices appreciate from here then you will the yield will keep dropping assuming that the distribution amount remains the same so one could look at it either ways i think it also depends a lot on the risk appetite of an investor um someone who's you know moderately aggressive to aggressive may kind of take a call that you know the yields are attractive you know at the current levels and by buying at the current level i'll lock in a particular yield um with the potential appreciation in the unit since they've already corrected uh somebody else who is more conservative like you rightly said could possibly wait for uh you know clarifications to come around this provision before taking uh you know exposure to these asset class sure vishal that's all from our side uh thank you so much for uh, decoding this very complex subject to us and uh, listeners if you haven't gone through our story on the reits and invits and the taxation impact on it you should definitely check it out uh, it's on our website livemint.com uh, uh, vishal has given his valuable data and his inputs to this story so you should really check it out thanks vishal thank you so much for your time thanks for joining us today thank you so much satya my pleasure that's all for now in this episode listeners if you have any queries or suggestions You can reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Satya Sontanam. S A T Y A S O N T A N A M. Or you can also write to us at mintmoney at livemint dot com. Bye bye. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.